Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Dr. Luis Sandoval's show. Today we're doing a family edition with my better half and my best half and my little guy, my new little guy for anybody who's out there uh, watching our show and listening. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Luis Sandoval show here at the top of the noon hour. I want to introduce my wife, Ashley, for those of you who have seen her before. And my little guy, our newest addition to our family is Matthew. So wave hi, Matthew, to all the people. He's usually pretty quiet, so we'll see how he does throughout the show. But I think it was very important for you to be here. And Ashley, thank you for being here oh, you're uh, in welcome. our show. Here, let me bring the mic up next to you so you can speak. If the little guy starts banging on it, that's okay. Um, we're going to have a family edition here because we're going to talk about you know, oh, issues that pertain to our families and how do we raise a Catholic family. Oh, you're going to like that, huh, little guy? So one of the things that we always like to do here at the top of the noon hour is before all else, let's start with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, the Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, before we get our show started, I also want to remind all of our listeners and our viewers that this Saturday, so this is it, this coming Saturday, True Devotion to St. Joseph, our women's conference right here at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel. Still time to sign up. Uh, our address is 381 West Center Street in Covina, California. Uh, if you're able to attend in person, I think that that will be great. We have great speakers, Father Charles Muir. We're going to have Mary Danielle Barber, and we're going to have Father Stephen Lesnowski. I can never say his last name, but boy, you're going to hear some good talks. You're going to hear about St. Joseph, what that means to be a husband and father, how to find the right partner in life, and a biblical view of St. Joseph. Uh, you know, it's interesting because... I remember I told you about this session. We'll probably end up doing it virtually um, because we'll probably be home. But, you know, being that it's a women's conference and you hear that it's a women's conference, what do you think of a women's conference? And do you think that maybe I should listen to it too or husband should listen to it? Or do you think it's just keep it for the women? It's a good idea for um, both parties to listen to the conferences because um, I know that a lot of the material might be geared specifically towards women or wives, just like in the men's conference, the materials geared towards men or husbands. But it's important, especially in a marriage and a union where 
you're, you know, you're aware of what's going on um, with your spouse and the issues that your spouse faces and, and the things that are important for your spouse to be doing in the marriage as long as, as well as yourself. Well, I think it's important. I mean, listen to this first talk. Father Charles Muir, his talk is on St. Joseph, husband and father, how to find the right partner in life. It's interesting because I would, the, you know, the way I read this is they're going to be talking to the women's conference about, hey, what do you think of men and how do you find um, the right type of uh, man for yourself or what are you looking for in a guy? And I think that as a guy, I kind of want to listen to what these girls are thinking is the right guy for them. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, I mean, maybe I want to get a few tips there. So that'll be this Saturday. Uh, you can still sign up. You can go to our website, virginmostpowerful.org, um, and sign up for that conference. I think that'll be exciting. And it makes sense with our talk today. Today we want to talk about how do we raise a Catholic family in our current secular world. So how do we, how are we going to raise this little guy? We decided all of a sudden we're going to have another little addition to our family here, and God bless us with this little guy on top of the three beautiful girls we already have. And we start thinking, you know, as Catholic families, what does that really mean, or what is it that's going on in the world when we hear so many different things on the news, so many ways that we feel our faith is being trampled on or we're not being given choices on things? How do we, you know, make amends with that? So one of the things that we were talking about, Ash, actually before we came here was, well, we talk about raising a Catholic family in a secular world. And what does that really mean? We decided we have to define these things. One of the things about raising a Catholic family, even before we get into the topic, is that we obviously we have to be flexible, yes. right? We have to be <laughs> flexible as, as if we're going to sit here with our kid and we're going to have the show. And I, I love the fact that we're doing this together um, because it shows us that being part of a family, sometimes we read the script and we think, oh, you know, there's a right way, a wrong way. This is how you raise your kids. But you know, you kind of have to go with the flow sometimes as we're talking. If a little guy, you know, people might say, well, why'd you bring the little guy? Well, because he's part of the family and we're going to talk about what does that mean to raise him? Are we able to have a show with a little guy present? We'll see because this is the way life goes, right? As, as we have families, we can say, oh, well, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show, but ultimately if it's going to work, I think we all just kind of have to do our part regardless of what comes up at the time. Um, but let's talk about secular versus religious. So, Ash, what do you think about when I say the word secular? A secular society, what, do, what comes to mind? It means a society whose focus is really on anything but God. And sometimes it can even mean uh, focuses on um, anti-God, make, making sure that our society is focused on everything that has to do with um, going against Christ sometimes, uh, to the extreme end. Other times it can just mean a complete absence of God or, you know, you do what's best for yourself. Sure. And, you know, and what I'd like to do is I always like to define terms. I know that probably drives you nuts. But, you know, when we talk about secular, what does that mean? So I looked it up and decided, hey, let's just look up a basic definition of secular. If I were just to do a general search online, what does it mean to be secular? And the definition was, one, it's an adjective, if we must know. Um, but the definition is that something is worldly rather than spiritual. And another definition is not relating to religion or a religious body or being non-religious. So you're absolutely right. It just really means that we don't include anything religious, anything spiritual in our talk, in our way of thinking, in our way of being, versus a religious society or being religious, which is defined as having or showing belief and reverence for God or a deity of concerned with or religious teaching. And then it can go to the extreme. Now, you know, you hear about those extreme religious people uh, and it says extremely scrupulous or conscientious or, uh, yeah, conscientious, which means that, you know, some people sometimes follow the religion to a T so much that they actually don't even understand the spirit of the religion or what the religion really means, um, where all of a sudden they consider everything's wrong. So we don't want to be extreme, um, either way, 
But if we are going to follow the tenets, if we are going to believe that something is true, what does that mean for us in terms of how do we raise a family? Do you want me to take a little guy? (laughs) You got him? He's going to go for that mic every time. Yeah, he likes the fluffy. I should have brought him a fluffy toy. Um, But, and you know, feel free to move around. But one of the things that we talked about, we came up with a few points and we said, you know, there are some detriments as far as in our families as we try to move forward and try to be Catholic, there are some detriments in terms of some of the roadblocks that we find. Well, the first point that we came up with about five points, and we're going to talk about what are some of the solutions to this. So one of the first points is that we end up, whether we like it or not, sometimes we end up uh, fitting our beliefs into our society, meaning that we put society first instead of focusing on our beliefs, our Catholic beliefs, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Um, And some of the examples you gave me, I remember when I talked to you about this, here, I'll take a little guy. When I talked to you about this was, um, you know, like even going to church, like, tell me about that. Ash. How do we usually talk about going to church? Well, a lot of times it becomes, oh my gosh, we have to remember to get church in this weekend. I know we want to go do all the fun stuff. And, you know, with our girls, even it can be, oh, we want to go to Knott's Berry Farm, or we want to go swimming, or we want to go to the zoo, or we want to go, you know, to different places. And sometimes it can feel like, well, shoot, how do we fit church in around everything that needs to be done or anything that we want to do when the truth is, we should really be saying, well, can we fit other things in around church? Church should be the number one priority on the weekend. And the rest should be, how do we fit all the other things around the most important aspect of our lives? Well, you know, and that's what gets really tricky because it kind of reminds me of a little guy right now. You know, it's like, what's my priority, right? Is this little guy okay? Yeah, he just ate. He just snapped. We just changed him. He's just in a new environment. And a lot of times I start thinking, well, I got to get my stuff done. I got to go to work. I got to focus on finishing my notes. I got to focus on all these different things. And do I even spend time with my family? Am I spending time with my wife? Am I spending time with my kids? Which is part of the sacrament. You bring up a good point because if we're going to go to church and we're going to say, hey, God is a priority. The Eucharist is a priority. Then all of a sudden we have to say, we have to change our mindset. We can't be like, well, you know, we're going to go to mass and we're going to fit mass into our lives. We have to say, hey, mass comes first. And then after we go to mass, then we can figure out what else we do because we made that a priority. So that's one of the good examples that we do. Um, You know, and one of the things that we talked about is that we do that sometimes. We schedule our sacraments so we don't miss out on life. How many times do I say, you know what, I'm going to put everything else off because I have to make it to confession, right? I mean, I don't always do that. Do do I always do that? Do I always say, hey, I got to make it to confession. I got to do what I got to do. Or do I say, well, if I can make it to confession, I'll get there, you know, and and it's not always easy. I get that. But really, what's our priority? Do Do we make that our priority? Also, one of the things that you told me at home was we should schedule our life around eternity and not make passing things a priority. I think that's what it really comes down to because when we take the kids somewhere to an amusement park or something, that's a passing thing. Thoughts? No, absolutely. I mean, sometimes this life can feel so eternal in a way that you know we're so focused on what can we do to get through tomorrow, things like that, that we, we truly forget this is so temporary. Yeah, absolutely. And when we come back on the other side of the break, we're going to keep talking about how do we live Catholic? How do we think Catholic? And we're going to talk about a few more stumbling points and then come up with some solutions on the other side of the break. Stick with us. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I am joined by my little guy and my wife, Ashley. Thank you for joining us today, Ashley. Uh, appropriate show because we're talking about how do we raise a family, a Catholic family, in a secular society. And as we got here to the show, we drove here last minute, you know, trying to settle in, trying to get the little guy settled in. Seems like he's settled in now. But I think that was a great example of sometimes what has to happen in our lives. You know, a little guy's a little bit around. We get to a place. We think something's going to happen the way it goes. And we have to kind of stop and say, okay, stop. What does he need? Let's focus on what our needs are and then move forward. What are your thoughts, Ash? No, it's very true. Um, you know, as we know, things things don't always go the way we plan when we have children. And it's important, like you said, to be flexible. Um, and, you know, it's also really important to to realize that with children come challenges. And one of those challenges can be teaching them not just what our beliefs are, but how we actually have to go forwards and um, follow those beliefs in a society that might not always support that or back that. I think about that all the time. You know, I think about that with the kids because that's one of the stumbling blocks. It's like, we're teaching the kids something at home. We are lucky enough to send them to a Catholic school. And as we do that, but then we drive by places like, you know, abortion clinics and things like that. And there's people protesting outside and they have different signs. And all of a sudden, what do you do when your six-year-old says, what does it mean that abortion kills or what is abortion or things like that? And as Catholics, we want to give a, an appropriate answer, but they're a six-year-old. How do you even explain that? You know, teaching the, and, and things are coming so much quicker for the kids. One of the hardest things is how do I teach my kids that what I'm teaching them, what the tenets of our faith is, what we hold is true. And yet when they go out to society, they're going to see so many people uh, who have different experiences or a different understanding of life. And yet somehow we're supposed to still respect them. You know, that, that's pretty tough. Have you thought about that? I, I know we think about it, but how do you think about that? Well, I think it's it's also very challenging because, you know, as as the children go through lives, they have friends who have families that are different than our, our families. Um, the cartoons they see on TV. I mean, I remember when, you know, as everybody says, when I was young, when I was growing up, but you know, the cartoons were just cartoons. Now cartoons for children are made with, you know, what they call social justice messages in them and um, celebrating different things that our faith might not not just will not want to celebrate, but just might not say as, you know, the way that we should be li living our lives. And these are issues that we now have to tackle with children, our, you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, issues that, you know, we might not have had to talk about in our generation until we were more maybe 12 or 13. One of the challenges there, I got to say easily, I mean, one of the biggest challenges is we don't want to judge other people necessarily um, as anybody's bad or anything like that. I always think back to, there was an interview with Mother Teresa and they asked her, um, what do you make of people who are in sin? What do you make of people who are living a life that is not uh, consistent with the Catholic faith? You know, and there's different labels. They were saying, oh, what do you think of homosexuals? Or what do you think of people who are living in adultery? Or what do you think about, you know, and we get all these different labels and that's the way we talk because we understand what we consider to be either not following our faith or perhaps sinful. And then, all of a sudden, I remember during an interview, Mother Teresa, um, as the person was asking her, oh, what do you make of this or that? Um, she quickly changed the topic, or didn't change the topic, but she really made a point to say, you know, these are all, let's, let's use the term, beloved children of God for everybody. 
It wasn't a matter of, oh, what do you think of this group or that group? It was, we're all beloved children of God. So when anybody was asking her, well, what do you think of this? She would say, say beloved children of God. I think that that's a great way to look at society because then no matter what topic comes up as we're teaching our children, hey, listen, you know, this is the way that we're going to live our lives. This is the way we understand God wants us to live a family. This is the way we understand God's plan for our families and our lives. Um, but when they say, well, what about this or that? We, you know, if we have this perspective that we are all beloved children of God, psychologically, mentally, humanly, then we, it's hard to judge anybody because then you say, well, yeah, God loves everybody. They might not be living life the way I under, I have been taught or the way I've understood is the morally correct way or a Catholic way of life, but how am I going to judge them otherwise? <laughs> and that's a challenge that we face with our children when we have to explain to them that certain things they're seeing or there's certain people they're interacting with might not be living the lifestyle that, you know, our faith teaches us, that we have to come come to them with compassion and treat them with the same dignity. We treat somebody who's, say, maybe outwardly living the same faith that we are and to teach them how to tell the difference between just saying, you know, I don't approve want, of that lifestyle, but I approve of the person. You want to take him out for a bit? Sure. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take the little guy out for a quick break just because he's going to ask you your headphones. Um, just because, uh, you know, he's going to need a little bit of a walking. But we'll continue with these topics here because um, as we had come up with them before, you know, the first topic we talked about was in our society, we have to, you know, put things, we or we tend to put things on the side um, and not necessarily make our faith first. So that's one of the big roadblocks. We really got to make that effort, especially to show our kids, hey, we're putting our faith first, we're putting our sacraments first. This is, you know, everything else is going to come second. Secondly is we really have to have that sense of I'm going to tell the kids and I'm going to be honest with them about what we believe, what our Catholic church teaches, you know, in terms of what marriage really is, in terms of what is important in society. Um, but then there is that risk, right? Because all of a sudden, if we go out in society, we're going to be made fun of. We got to be ready to be made fun of. We call it that white martyrdom, right? We might not be bleeding on the cross like Christ did for us, but all of a sudden, you might not get that job that you were hoping for. You might not get that promotion you were hoping for. You might be looked at a little bit differently or weekly, or somebody might even make fun of you or say something to you right in front of your kids. And am I ready to stand up, be made fun of, and have that fortitude to turn to my kids and say, we got to walk away from this. It's okay if somebody's going to make fun of you because we got something greater. We believe that there's going to be something greater uh, down the road. That's really challenging because, you know, our kids look up to us and we never want to look weak in front of our kids. In fact, I remember growing up, you know, the parents were perfect. You couldn't even, you couldn't even say that mom or dad might be wrong about something because boy, that was tough. Your parents were perfect. Nowadays, I think that it's okay to tell our kids, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes and I, but I want you to learn from the example of moving forward, even within my mistakes. Um, but I think it can be really, really tough to look weak in front of other people, especially if you have your family or children around where they're like, dad, aren't you going to fight that? Aren't you going to, you know, and we got to pick our battles. Certain things, yes, we're going to stand up and we're going to speak and we're going to say something. Um, but other times there's going to, might be moments where, you know, we might not have an answer. We might not say anything. It reminds me a lot of when Christ was about to be crucified and Pontius Pilate says, who do you say you are? Are you God? Are you, are you really the son of God? And all he says is, you know, that's what you say, you know, and then he was asked all these other questions and, and he didn't answer. And that's when Pilate was like, don't you know that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? 
And Christ didn't answer, and all he tells them is, you have power because God gave you that power. Are we going to be strong enough to say that, to, to be at that moment where we realize, hey, we might be crucified in a different way, maybe not directly on a cross, but we're going to be told, hey, you have to do this, you know, even if it means uh, going against your faith or what you believe. Um, and are we going to have, have that fortitude to actually look weak or humiliated in front of our families and yet say, I'm still going to move forward. We're going to, we're going to do this, and I'm going to explain to my children why. I think this is where it gets really interesting as we're talking to our children and raising them um, where it's important to talk to them about the lives of saints. It's important for them to see that, you know, leading a saintly life and making it to heaven is going to be all that matters. And look at what happened. Look at what the saints had to go through. They had to go through the same thing. This is where it's important to really use the saints as examples and let them know that we are saints too. It is something attainable. A lot of times we go around and and people say, oh, do you think you're a saint? You're holy. And people say, oh, I could never be a saint. And I say, well, good luck in hell if that's what your thoughts are, because we're all, we have to be saints. Being a saint just means that we're striving to make it to heaven, that we're going to, that we're going to get to heaven, that we're going to make it into heaven. Um, All it means is that in spite of my failings, I'm going to follow Christ. And so that's one of the things I think is really, really important. You know, get our children to understand that these are our beliefs. They might not be accepted in society, but we have to try to move forward with them. Um, another topic that came up, and I know that we're going to talk about this a little bit later again when uh, when my, my wife Ashley comes back, um, is raising our children. Now we talked about society. Now it gets a little bit more personal. Point number three, raising our children among family members um, who say that they're Catholic, but they don't prioritize the faith or not even among family members. But now we see this in our society, institutions, people in, in uh, positions of power who they say that they're Catholic and they want to define what it means to be Catholic. While at the same time, we realize that they're not following the faith. They're not following the Catholic faith. I don't doubt that people are Catholic and baptized Catholic. That's not the question. The question is not are they Catholic. It's a bigger scandal because if you are Catholic and you're baptized Catholic, but then you openly say that the tenets of our faith aren't real, unfortunately, you find yourself in what we call heresy. And so how do we raise our children in a society where all of a sudden they're, you know, you might be sending them to a Catholic school, you might be sending them to a Catholic institution because you're hoping that they're going to learn the tenets of the faith. And let's say that their teachers are saying, yeah, you know, I know that's what the church says or that's what's in the catechism, but you know, this is what the truth is, or I'm going to follow it this way or, or things along those lines. And then all of a sudden the kids come home and they say, you know, we were at a Catholic institution and the priest said actually that this was okay. So, uh, you know, now we're putting ourselves at our, at odds with our faith. A lot of times we call that being a cafeteria Catholic, um, you know, and, and picking and choosing. But at the end of the day, we have to have an honest conversation with ourselves. Um, regardless of what the priests say, regardless of what people in power say, uh, regardless of what maybe other family members say, we have to know our faith. We have to study our faith and we have to realize that at one point we're going to come before the Eucharist. Right now we don't see Christ as himself. He hides himself in that Eucharist for us because if we were to see his awesome power and how he looks in real life, we wouldn't be able to handle it in our imperfect selves. So he's, he gives us the mercy of being in the forms of body of, of uh, bread and wine. But when we come before the Eucharist, we have to ask ourselves, am I coming wholeheartedly? Am I coming with a belief in Christ? Am I coming with the idea that Christ is, is really present there? And am I a pure soul? Am I going to be able to look at him and say, Christ, I followed the tenets the way you wanted me to follow them, regardless of what anybody else is doing, regardless of, of what the politicians are doing, regardless of what um, other family members might be doing that are not within the tenets of our, of our faith. They're going to tell us, you know, we're wrong. But I got to tell my kids, you know what? 
I know what they're doing, but this is still the right way. The right way is the narrow path. Christ said, you know, many will go down the wide path and many will fall uh, into sin and many will go to hell that way. And there's few that follow that, follow that narrow path. And we really got to find that narrow path. And sometimes, you know, I've heard people say that they've been in, in terrible positions where they've even had to correct their own uh, priests or their own prelates um, and let them know, hey, you know what you're doing? It's not the way that you're not, you're not celebrating the mass correctly. You're not following the rubrics or that, you know, what you said in your homily sure doesn't sound like, you know, what Christ would have said, or, you know, it doesn't follow, it doesn't follow what the gospel teaches us. And that can be really, really hard because at the end of the day, who am I, right? Who am I to correct a priest? Well, I'll tell you who I am. I'm a baptized Catholic and I know my faith and I know when I go to a good doctor, I know when I go to a doctor who's not going to give me the right medication. In the same way, if you're my spiritual doctor, you're my spiritual father, you know, are, are you going to give me the right advice when I go to confession, when I need to really uh, come to terms with my own conscience and, and put my sins out there uh, in even a shameful way? Um, and, and have an honest conversation with myself, or are you going to tell me, you know what, it's okay to keep sinning at the peril of my soul. You know, that's the challenging part. That's what I really want to teach our children is that, hey, we sometimes have to look at what the faith teaches us and follow Christ with our conscience. We have the tenets of the faith. We have the tradition of our, of our faith. And that's what's going to be most important, regardless of what other people are saying or doing in our society. When we come back on the other side of the break on Catholic Families. Welcome back, everybody, um, to the Dr. Sandoval Show. I'm obviously not Dr. Sandoval. I am his wonderful wife, Ashley. Um, so Dr. Sandoval is with... Uh, Dr. Sandoval is right here, <laughs> off screen, <laughs> yeah. holding the little guy. I'll make a little quick appearance. The little guy here. The little guy, let me see if I can get you. You haven't lost Dr. Sandoval. But he does better standing up. But I wanted to give my wife a chance to give us her perspective on the next few topics that we talked about. So um, as we're talking about family and secular society, uh, the one thing we want to talk about is married couples um, in secular society. Because we've talked a lot about raising children, but as married Catholic couples know... If you want to have a successful Catholic family, it starts with the Catholic couple first. If you don't have a successful Catholic marriage, then there's no way you can raise a successful Catholic family. Um, so the one thing that you know we wanted to talk about is how secular society looks at marriage or a successful marriage compared to the way that we know in our faith is a successful marriage. And, you know, as I browse the internet quite a bit, putting the children to bed, you know, I come up on a lot of different topics and some things have stuck with me recently. And one of the, the main points that I see all the time, if you look at advice columns or, you know, mommy complaint blogs or, you know, different things like that, is our society is saying, if you want to have a successful marriage, it's 50-50, Everybody needs to be pulling 50%. The husband needs to be doing 50%. The wife needs to be doing 50%. Lay out the household chores. Divide it up. You know, if the, the woman stays at home with the child and the man goes to work, well, then as soon as he comes home, let's pull out that list and, you know, here are the five chores you need to do and here are the five chores that I need to do. And that's what makes um, a successful marriage is it's 100% equal. And... You know, when you look at it, that's absolutely the completely wrong approach because it's not about putting things 50-50. It's about 
A Catholic marriage is about putting 100% of yourself into your marriage, 100% of giving of yourself to your spouse in that marriage. So it means whether I'm at work or whether I'm at home, when I am taking care of business, shall we say, for the family, you know, it should be 100% of myself giving to the other person all the time. And, you know, in, in any marriage, in any relationship, you know, we have good days and we have bad days. And, you know, sometimes my 100% might only look like 20% that day. But, you know, other times my 100% might look like a thousand percent. So, you know, it just, it really depends. It's what's really important is understanding that each person is trying to do their best 100% of the time for their family. I think, not to interrupt, but I think that that's a really good point because one of the things that, you know, as couples, we think about sometimes, like you said, we divvy it up 50%, and all of a sudden we have a checkoff list for each other, like, you're supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that. And one of the questions is, says who? You know, who says that that's what's supposed to be done? You know, in society, we've divided, for as much as people say, oh, we're equal, we still divide up chores and kind of like the wife's chores and the man's chores. But I think that if we look at it from the perspective of, hey, this is what needs to get done today, and I don't worry about who did what, I think we're a little bit more successful that way in terms of, I'm just going to give my all and I'm going to do it if I can. No, absolutely. I mean, it's as simple as something like, you know, normally my husband rolls the trash cans down to the curb on Monday nights and normally I do the dishes after dinner. But if he's overwhelmed with something and I see the trash cans haven't been rolled down, am I going to sit there and nag him and say, excuse me, you haven't rolled down the trash cans? Well, absolutely not. I go roll down the trash cans, you know, or my husband, if I'm overwhelmed, he'll wash a dish. You know, I mean, it's really just putting 100% for your other, for your spouse. Um, you know, and the other thing that we see that kind of goes along with that in, in secular marriage is about, am I getting my fair share? Am I getting my break? Um, am I getting my rest time? Am I getting, you know, my money to spend on, you know, things like this? And it goes along with it. It's like, no, if you're, if you're giving to your spouse, then you're going to be giving your spouse what they need. And your spouse is going to be giving to you. The, the secular viewpoint of marriage a lot of times is, is very much about looking out for me and mine instead of looking out for my spouse because that's the point of marriage. But I think one of the things too is that's important. In order to do that, I think that we've, what we forget about a lot is you really have to be trusting your spouse. Absolutely. You know, you have to trust. So because it's easy for my end of things to say, well, look at everything I'm doing. You know, look at what I've done and they haven't done this or they have done that. Um, versus the idea of, hey, I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to assume that today, regardless of what they're doing, they're doing their part as best they can. Mm-hmm. You know, And this is how much I love and I trust my spouse that I'm not going to keep a checklist. I'm going to just give 100% of what I can because it's my marriage, and I'm going to try to make it the best I can make it. No, absolutely. You know, and, and one of the other things that we've talked about is in society today, our, our focus is so much on chasing titles, you know, um, putting our careers first uh, above the sacrament of marriage. You know, it's like, well, we're doing fine, but shoot, if I put in an extra, you know, 10 hours a week at the office, I'm going to get this promotion and I'm going to, I'm going to get this fancy title, you know, and, and is it, is that worth it over our marriage? Are you missing out on the children? Are you missing out on different things? And, and, you know, as a stay at home mom, I can tell you that I honestly, I feel this sometimes. And, um, you know, it, where 
part of what I struggle with is society's expectation that I need to be doing more with my life and I need to be showing my my daughters especially, you know, that a woman can be so much more than, you know, to put in quotes, just a mom. And, you know, it, it's realizing, okay, you know, this is this isn't what God has intended for me to make the most of the secular world. He's intended for me to make the most of my family. And I mean, as an example, the other day, you know, I was driving my kids to school and our youngest, who's six, was sitting in the back and she just kind of out of nowhere said, you know, mom, you could be more than just a mom if you wanted. And I kind of stopped for a minute and I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you know, you could be a baker, you could be a chef, you could, you could have a bakery or a restaurant And it could be more than just being a mom because my friends have moms who are more than just moms. And as an insecurity of mine, you know, that that hit me, you know, obviously, you know, right in the the gut punch, if you will, you know, because that's a thing I wrestle with. And and so I I explained to her, you know, yeah, that a lot of us have different things in life. um, And and some people, they, they need to work to provide for their families. But, you know, I stay at home with with them and, you know, my my career right now is to be their mom to pick them up from school and you know and and to not worry about you know looking good to her friends that I am you know something other than just a mom and you know I've realized that sometimes in relationships and marriages you know if we we focus so much on getting ahead and and thinking of what other people are going to think of our lives and things like that 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 can really get in the way of what the, the spiritual aspect is that God wants for our family, which is, you know, our family first. Um, and, you know, and that kind of comes down to uh, what society also looks at in terms of intimacy in marriage. Um, you know, we've talked about the the spiritual intimacy, if you will, the, the praying together and, you know, the always making sure that you're trusting your spouse to do what's best. But as I've seen, um, you know, the sad trend now also in secular marriage is a trend that, you know, my spouse is not enough for me, that I need to open my marriage, you know, bring other people in that, you know, both spouses should be dating other people um, because that spouse, your one spouse is boring. Your one spouse cannot possibly fulfill you in um, physical and emotional needs. You know, and, and things like that, they, people think, oh, well, this is a great idea. We don't need to work on it. We don't need to, you know, have ourselves pray deeper together and to have these deep conversations about what can I do to be a better partner. We think, well, shoot, the easy answer is, well, you know, open it up and have other boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, outside um, relationships together, which completely destroys and distorts the intimacy of marriage, which is supposed to be your spouse forever. And ideas like this, obviously, you know, it leads to divorce. My, my spouse isn't enough. My spouse isn't giving me what I need. So, you know, the quick, the quick way out is, um, just to kind of end the entire thing, uh, you know, and when we look at that, it's, uh, it's pretty scary for, for the state of what the secular views as an important marriage. Um, and, you know, and so when we look at our marriage and to what we're trying to teach our children, you know, the one thing that we have to realize is our children, you know, they learn about relationships and they learn about 
Christ and they learn about the church through our words, yes. But as we, you know, the phrase says, actions speak louder than words. You know, our children are going to see how we relate to each other as husband and wife. Um, They're going to see how we relate to our religion. You know, like we had said earlier, are we putting mass first? Are we putting um, our... Are, um, excuse me, are we putting our marriage first? Are we putting God first before everything? When we have relatives and, and friends, you know, that as we talked about, that say that they're Catholic, but they're not necessarily displaying Catholicism as a priority, how do we handle that? You know, and when we tell the kids, oh, that's okay, you know, we'll just go along with what they're doing for right now because that's easier. Well, it might be easier in the moment, but that's not going to be easier for their lifetime. You know, we all need to learn how to take a stand, um, you know, about our spirituality and make sure that we are putting everything completely um, in God's hands and put everything first. And I know that sometimes for me, you know, it can be hard with the with the children, especially because they have so many things, as we've talked about, that they want to do that might be difficult that could go against, you know, uh, the religion and, you know, TV shows they want to they watch or uh, activities they want to partake in that, you know, might not necessarily be um, following the plan of spirituality for our family. And even um, sometimes going to visit relatives and friends and we might be with relatives or friends, say, on on a weekend, and the relatives or friends might have all these fun activities planned for the kids. And we're going to have to, you know, talk to them about, hey, it's, you know, we have to say, hey, sorry, we're going to put the uh, Christ first in everything, Christ first in our marriage, Christ before the theme park, you know, Christ before everything. And so that's the one thing that's real important. And when we come back, we're going to talk about our solutions. You'll have Dr. Sandoval back to talk about how we can be prepared to put Christ first. Stay tuned. All right. Well, welcome back to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show here. Today we are talking about how do we raise a Catholic family in a secular world? We had the uh, the lovely... Uh, um, blessing to have my wife here and my son here um, today. And as you see, part of raising a family means that you got to be flexible. You know, you got to make it so that when things come up and the kids seem to be working, you know, in a, in a good place, that's great. And if they're not in a good place, this is where, you know, you need mom and dad together to kind of bounce things off of each other um, and to really work as a team. At the end of the day, in today's society, we forget about, you know, working as a team. Working as a team, if anybody's ever played a sport, or something like that. We got to remember that working as a team means that it's not all about you, right? You got to pass the ball. You got to look to to get the points. And sometimes that means that you're not the one who's going to make the shot. You know, you might have to just get the rebound if you're playing basketball and, and make a pass so that somebody else can get the points. And it's hard because it seems like that other person's getting all the glory. But at the end of the day, it was a team effort. If you, if you hadn't made that rebound and made that pass, that shot might've never happened. Um, and I think that's the same way in marriages. It's very easy uh, to think about, gosh, how am I going to, how am I going to get the, the credit? How am I going to look like the best dad in the world? You know, today, since we're doing the show, I'm wearing this shirt. I love the shirt. I got it for Father's Day. And it just says, dad, a real American hero. And I got to remember that if I'm going to wear this shirt, it's, a, you know, it means something. It means something if my kids call me dad. And it reminds me that to the little kids, 
to our children, I'm a hero to them. Our parents are heroes. The way nature made it, the way God made it for us is we don't have a choice but to love our parents. And as parents, we have to remember that. You know, we talk about the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. And for some kids, that's really hard um, because, you know, in session and therapy all the time, I see people who say, I had very abusive parents. And so when we hear that commandment, it's easy to think the kids have to be, you know, they have to be there to honor us. And part of being a Catholic family, if it's going to work, the kids have to honor us. But we have to remember that as parents, we have to be honorable. Am I behaving in such a way as a parent? Am I acting in such a way that my kids are going to find me honorable and that they're going to want to honor me? Or are they going to understand what the commandment means? It's really a twofold way um, to think of that, of that commandment. Um, one of the things that I know my wife was talking about, and we've been talking about roadblocks of how to um, live a Catholic life as we see the secular society, a society that tells us that, you know, our views are antiquated, that we're not modern, that we're not progressive. Uh, and I think that the last thing that Christ ever wanted to be thought of was um, progressive. You know, here's a great Bible verse from Exodus on, on that commandment. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It comes with a promise, right? That commandment comes with a promise. You honor your father and your mother and you're going to have a long, healthy life. This leads to good mental health as well. You know, a lot of times we forget, well, gosh, you know, if I honor my father and mother, yeah, I'm supposed to be nice to them. But we got to remember that God is going to bless us and bring us mental peace. But as we're talking about, what are the solutions? Some, what are some of the solutions? We got, my wife and I came up with three points. I wish she could sit in here with me, but right now she's taking care of the little guy. I was taking care of him last segment. Um, and this, you know, this is how we work as a team. We bounce things off of each other. We, we kind of support each other as much as we can. Um, but what are some of the solutions? You know, we're going through life. We're going, we're trying to be Catholic. Society's telling us differently. There might be some roadblocks. There might be people telling us that it's not worth it. Well, the first thing we talked about was, you know, there is a battle there. You know, there, there's definitely a spiritual battle. And part of going through this means that you got to be ready to feel lonely and isolated because you're going to be attacked. You know, there is going to be a spiritual attack. We can never forget that if we're going to follow the, the tenets of our faith, we're entering into a battle zone. Um, and the battle zone's there. The question is, do, do we want to fight? Do we want to engage in, in that battle? Um, we got to look at the fact that when Christ came and he did his mission, um, he was obviously, he is the truth. He is the faith, the way that we have to follow. And right away, he was not supported at all. He was not supported by uh, the scholars of the faith, the Pharisees, which would have been like today's uh, bishops, you know, the people who hold on to the tenets of, in his time, it was the Jewish faith, the ones who upheld all the rules and told the people how they were supposed to follow the rules, you know, and he ended up being crucified because he was speaking the truth and he was telling them, you know, this is the right way to do things. If we're going to follow Christ, he tells us, you know, if this is the way that they treated the master, how are they going to treat the servant? If they persecuted me, remember they persecuted me before they persecute you. So one thing, be ready that if we are going to follow a Catholic life, a Catholic faith, and we're going to support each other, we're going to be persecuted. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a battle and it's going to feel lonely the one thing that I can tell you as a medical doctor, as a psychiatrist, as a therapist, as a family physician, um, when you start feeling that way, I want you to challenge that because one, we know that actually it's going to be, that's actually normal. It's actually normal for us to feel that way it's, in society. That's one of the things that we have to fight in society. Society tells us that, Hey, you have to be happy all the time. 
If you're not happy, there's something wrong with you. If you feel guilty about something, take a pill. You shouldn't be feeling that way. And that's not the truth. That's not what Christ teaches us. That's not what our faith teaches us. Our faith teaches us that we're going to have to sacrifice, and it's not always going to feel good. So if things don't feel right or they don't feel good, it's always good to talk to a priest, talk to a therapist, talk to somebody as a sounding board. Yeah, could you be going through a depression? Could you be going through any kind of a mental illness? That's definitely important to look at because as a family member, as a, as a spouse, we want to be there 100% for our spouse. So if I'm going through a depression or an anxiety, I'm going to want to go take some medication or something if that's what it's going to need, or I'm going to want to go to therapy, or I'm going to want to reevaluate my situation so I can be there for my spouse. But if I'm not feeling good because, you know, somebody put me down at work because I'm Catholic or I wear a crucifix or, you know, I have a, a, a an icon in my office or something along those lines and somebody tells me, hey, you got to get rid of that. What do you think you're holy? You know, what are you doing? I can't come home and get upset with my wife about it and say, hey, why do we have to be Catholic? I got to realize, yeah, it probably is not going to feel good. And that's normal. That's part of our battle. That's just part of what's going to happen. And we have to come to understand that. Now, one of the things that's going to happen is as we are following the tenets of our faith, we have to know what the tenets are. So the first thing is just be ready to engage in the battle. That's one of the solutions because once we're ready to engage in the battle and realize that it's not going to feel good, okay, we're in it. We're not going to, we're, that's not going to be a roadblock anymore. I realize it doesn't feel good, but I'm going to learn how to cope with that. The next part is number two is you got to know the tenets of the faith. We got to know the tenets of the faith. We got to read our catechism. We got to read our Bible because we got to know what we're following when we're hearing things in society the devil's going to make it seem very simple. You know, Eve knew what the rules were. God had told Adam, don't eat from that from that tree. Adam must have told Eve because she knew when the serpent told her, hey, what, what did God tell you not to eat from this tree? So that means that Adam conveyed that to Eve because God gave Adam that command, command before he even made Eve. So he told her about it. And she knew the right thing to do. But even then, the devil made it seem enticing, right? The fruit looked good. It looked like something that wasn't bad at all. And he made it seem like, no, 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 no. What your God's telling you, that's not the truth. Let me tell you, nothing's going to happen to you. It's no different in our society. We're fighting the exact same battle. It might not be fruit from a particular tree, um, the way it's written in Genesis. But really, I think that if we think about that story, um, it's really any fruit, anything that looks enticing, anything that looks good that God has already told us not to engage in. And that's really the battle. We have to know our faith to avoid separating ourselves from God, to avoid feeling that shame, to uh, not give society that that upper hand. Um, and it doesn't feel good. And, and sometimes we got to take a pause and take that moment to say, oh, this is it. This is a battle. It's actually very subtle. You know, we think sometimes that it's going to be really in our face. Like, you know, all of a sudden you're driving through a nice neighborhood and you cross the street and, oh, you're in a bad neighborhood. This is a red light district. There's a lot of drugs going on here. It's not always like that. What happens is that we're, say, driving through a nice neighborhood and in, within that nice neighborhood, there's a really nice shop. And then and we stop and we go to that nice shop and we look in that shop and all of a sudden there's a lot of really good things, but then there's one bad thing, but you know what? It's okay because it's surrounded by good things. And that's what society does to us. It tells us, you know what? I know what you're, you know, you're following your faith. That's great. That's great. Oh, there's just this little nugget of badness. That's okay. God's going to overlook that. And that's really what it comes down to. You know, are we able to say, oh, here it is. Here's the battle. You know, I have some information about somebody. Ah, I'm not going to, it's not really gossip. You know, I'm just going to share it. It's not, no, it's, it's, I'm, I just, you know, it's important for people to know. It's important for them. I'm going to tell them in confidence. What I'll say is, I want to share something with you in confidence. It's not gossip. Well, really? Was it gossip or not? Did that person really need to know that? Or did you just kind of feel like you needed to reveal something? I use that as an example because we forget sometimes that we sin with our tongue so much um, and things that we say and things that we think. Uh, and, those, and those are the little subtle things. And this is where we say, we got to stop and think to myself, 
I got to think to myself, you know, gosh, I really want to say this information. I want to tell somebody about it. This is where it's happening, right? This is the battle. This is where I got to hold my tongue. This is where I can't go and just divulge this information because I think it's important or I'm making an excuse for myself to, to make it better. Uh, no, this is where I got to understand not only the tenets of my faith, but now how I start to live my faith, right? So we got to read the Bible. Once we read the Bible, we read our catechism. We read the, the works of the early fathers. We read the lives of the saints. We get all that information and we get to point number three. And point number three is living our faith. So the first one is just be ready to be isolated and lonely. You know, it might feel that way. Number two, when we start feeling that way, let's go back and read some of that knowledge, read the Bible, read the lives of saints, read the catechism to understand what it is we're battling for and what it is that I'm allowing myself to feel lonely and sad about. And then point number three is we have to start living the faith. And as a couple, as a family, we have to start living it through prayer and intimacy. And there's different levels that we need to talk about when we talk about prayer and intimacy. First, in terms of prayer, you know, we, we say the word prayer and we think about praying and we say, oh yeah, 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 prayer is important. Oh no, of course. Yeah, I got to pray my rosary. Oh yeah, I got to do it. But we actually don't give it its, its just desserts. Um, we don't really understand what prayer is all the time. Uh, and really, what does it mean to pray? If you look at the lives of the saints, this is why it's important to go back and look at the Bible and the lives of the saints and, and the catechism. What does it tell us about prayer? Prayer is us uniting ourselves to God. Why is prayer hard? Shouldn't it be easy? If it were easy, we'd be doing it all the time because we'd realize how good it is. But why is prayer hard? I believe that prayer is hard because it's actually a moment of death and not death in a bad way in, in terms of you know eating the apple and, and sinning kind of death. It's a moment of death where when we're praying, we're communicating with God, we're uniting our soul with God. And so it's actually a moment where we probably feel a little bit what it feels like when we start dying, when the soul separates itself from the body because it wants united to unite itself to God. And that's probably not very comfortable. Right in the moment of prayer, yes, our bodies are involved in prayer. We have to be in a, in in a good posture. Whether we're kneeling, we're sitting, we have to. But what do we do? We have to quiet our bodies down. We have to get that kind of almost get in a good posture so we can ignore our bodies, and then we can just focus on the prayer and communicating with God. I think that's a little bit of what the deathbed feels like, where all of a sudden our bodies are kind of going away, they're kind of blending into the background, and our prayer, our communication with God is coming to the forefront. I think we have to do that when we communicate with God. And I think we also have to do that prayer as a couple, not just praying to God, but talking to each other, right? If, we, if prayer is a form of, of telling somebody, hey, pray for me, talk to God for me. I think the communication between a couple is a form of prayer as well. We got to keep that communication open. Our children will feel secure. Our children will also benefit from, from the graces of our example. If we do that, if we pray and we stay intimate with each other, um, we, we're going to have the example and the blessings in our family. And what we got to remember is that as a married couple, if we're going to have a Catholic family in our secular society, we got to remember that we are the sacrament ourselves. We are the sacrament of marriage. We're a living sacrament. We married each other. I married my wife and she married me. Sometimes we say, oh, the priest married us. No, the priest was a witness or the deacon was a witness or the justice of the peace was the witness. Whoever it is that officiated or witnessed the ceremony, that's fine. But what they witnessed was us marrying each other. That's, I think, what the most important thing to remember when we talk about a family, a Catholic family in a secular society, is we have to look at each other, we have to communicate with each other, and we have to work together in order to be able to keep up that sacrament, in order to be able to keep up the graces for our children, live our Catholic lives, and really be that example to our children so they can take it to heart and form their own Catholic family. Until next time, this is the Sandoval family on the Dr. Sandoval Show saying, keep it Catholic, and we'll see you here at the clinic next week.